Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Stand with me. Hold your Bibles up way up high. Give me time to get this clip back on. You know, you got to make it happen till it happens, right? Say, this is my Bible. No, you guys just, I mean, you realize the delay there. Well, pardon me, I'm having an in-house discussion here. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. That's a little better. I don't know what y'all had, but give me some. <laughs> well, we're, we're thrilled to have all of you here and all of you watching online. Uh, we're doing a series on pain, and believe it or not, like most of our lives, uh, we are a little bit of a victim of our upbringing or the culture in which we were brought up. Uh, we learn to deal with life. Our responses typically are not innate. Uh, they're taught. We, we learn them from our parents, our neighbors, our aunts, our uncles, our school teachers. Our culture trains us, if you will, about how to respond to most things in life. And then as we get older, we have to choose to embrace those and feel like that they're authentically us, or we have to process what we've been taught and trained to do and ask ourselves the question, does this fit me? And a lot of pain in life is, is the result of how we think, and how we think is a result of how we were taught. So if you were taught in the face of pain to lash out, that's probably what you've done your whole life. And the reason for that oftentimes is, is when someone elevates or sets a level in a conversation or a relationship, our human nature feels compelled to elevate or rise to that same level. It's very difficult if you've noticed to be somewhere and, and not feel the pull of the energy in, in that crowd. For instance, if you go to a football game and there are 80,000 crazy people in the stands, or let's just say 77,000 and 3,000 don't know why they're there. And they don't know what a football is, but somebody invited them. So the, the majority of that crowd will set the tone for the day. And before you know it, you get caught up in the emotion uh, the decibels of that, that moment. It changes everything. It's no different with pain. We are taught very young that pain is not a good thing and that we need to do whatever uh, we need to do to get rid of that pain. Now, let me address this in a very respectful way. The challenge with that is most of us uh, address things in life uh, or better yet, address the symptoms in life and not the causes in life. Pain is merely a symptom of something deeper. 
be that physically, emotionally, mentally, the pain that you and I experience, uh, there, there's a cause behind it. So, for instance, if you have back pain right now, uh, and I've had this before, you could be prescribed uh, some kind of medication that will reduce the level of pain. And, and you go, that's great, it's 12 hours, I feel great. At the end of 12 hours, you start feeling the pain, come back, you take another pill. Well, you can do that the rest of your life, and, and in Oklahoma, get hooked on opioids because we are like number one state in America, I think. And, and again, I'm not minimizing the need to address the pain immediately, but I am minimizing the, the idea or the fact that if you're not careful, you never get to the cause of the pain. You're only addressing the symptom, and you'll be doing it the rest of your life, and the pain still exists. It's just masked by medication. Uh, I had a very dear friend that I played ball with, and he, he was constantly either getting, I mean, he's beat up. And finally, as he got older, his, his knees got so bad that he could hardly walk up and down stairs. But like most baby boomers, you don't want to have surgery. You know, we're, we think we're all of that in a bag of chips, and we're really tough. And we were taught to be tough because we didn't have a lot of the things available to us uh, in the past that we do today to minimize pain. And he adjusted, if you will, mentally. I don't know how this works because I'm not a neuroscientist, but the fact is the, the, the signals that are coming from the knees to the brain or vice versa, however, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not really that smart about all this, but I'm just going based on what he told me. And eventually, over time, the knee was as bad as it ever was, but somehow he adjusted to be able to endure the pain, and it wasn't nearly as excruciating as it was, so he just kept on. Until finally the day came when he just went, you know, I think I'm tired of, of fighting this, so I'm going to go have surgery. So he had knee replacement surgery, and immediately, so immediately after the surgery, he said it was the most amazing thing. He began to walk, and then he could climb stairs. He said, I had no idea how bad the pain was, until I address the cause of the pain. So what I want to help us do today is address uh, the cause of, of some of the pain that we feel. Some of us experience pain because we were rejected, neglected, abused, uh, told we were dumb, mentally, uh, emotionally uh, spoken to in ways that made us uh, think less of ourselves and, and created this inferiority in our lives. So turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, and, and this, this scripture kind of explains it all. Paul's having a moment, as he had many moments in the New Testament, and it says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish. Now, this is where it turns. He's not saying, you know, I feel bad about my loss. He said, I consider them or I see them differently, uh, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. In other words, Paul's saying to keep the law is a great pain. And let me pause here a moment and say a lot of spiritual, religious, Christian, faith people, the great problem that we have is our sense of guilt 
is so much greater than our awareness of grace. So most people don't come to God because they know He has great grace and love for them. They come to God because of a sense of guilt in their life about the way they're living or what they're doing or not doing. And so as a result of that, our response is more like Paul saying that it's, it's legalistic, it's law-driven, and I'm not saying that it shouldn't cause us to turn to God, but we should be pulled by grace instead of driven by guilt. Does that make sense? Uh, because the Bible says there is therefore now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we come into God, maybe turn as a result of sin or understanding. But at the end of the day, it's pain that causes us, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to experience life this way anymore. And so we begin to see things differently as Paul did. He says, but by which, he says, uh, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Now, let me pause a moment because you say, well, you know, Paul's saying I want to share in his sufferings. What Paul's really saying is the sufferings of Christ, in his case, are redemptive. There are certain pains and sufferings that we experience that, that redeem and bring to life things in us that need to be brought to life. The Bible says Christ learned obedience through the things he suffered. So pain is not something we can avoid in life, but it's something we can use in life to help us draw nearer to God. And so it's very, very important that, that we know how to respond to pain, utilize it, make it redemptive, not punitive, and that it will help actually help us become stronger. And Paul goes on to say, uh, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Now, this is pivotal. Forgetting what is behind. And we'll get to this in a moment. Forgetting what is behind. Now, this is extremely difficult. There's probably not a day that goes by that things that were behind me try to get in front of me. You wake up, you had a good night's sleep, and all of a sudden, your memory engages from something that happened yesterday, a year ago, or 10 years ago. And your mind begins replaying all of those thoughts and those things that created pain in your life. And I would love to tell you there's a cure for it. That you could take something or one and done, be one and done. But the reality is our brain is so complex that for us to figure out exactly how to wipe away bad memories or bad experiences is impossible. Now... When I say that, faith people are going to scream at me. I'm not saying that we can't have a super abundant life because we can. But we must always be aware that pain is going to be ever-present, as ever-present as God. And we get to choose every day which one we're going to follow. There's not a day that goes by that I don't have pain. 
or at least a moment of pain. And, and you say, well, that's a sad deal. Aren't you a preacher? Aren't you? Look, let me just say something to you. Every one of us in this room and watching online have had thoughts that were painful thoughts. And you say, I, I just want to escape them. I just want to get rid of them. You don't get rid of them. You face them and you press ahead. Too many people want to just be free of the pain. As a matter of fact, many people think that other people are responsible for their pain. If I could just get rid of them, if they were just out of my life, if I never had to see them again, until you can say seeing them no longer causes me pain, then you're never going to be cured of the pain that's causing it. it, it, it the reality is that, that we live life oftentimes circumstantially. If the circumstances are good, we're good. When the circumstances get bad, we're bad. Guess what? Circumstances are not our God. Our God is over our circumstances. More like a golf match, not a football game. Anyway, so... It makes me happy. The reason it makes me happy is because if, if any one of us were, were to be given to our pain, then that's all we will ever talk about. So what I'm trying to do here is create this healthy understanding of pain because I'm not in denial because there are days that are really not that great. Circumstances are such that they're not that great. So I have a choice to make. I'm either going to allow the circumstances to affect my relationship with you and others and life, or I'm going to be honest and say, you know what? The circumstances are not great today, but God is as great today as he's ever been. And greater is God in me than all the circumstances in the world, created demonically or otherwise. So we've got to be like Paul, and Paul is really asking God, I want to be able to relate to you in every way possible in your resurrection, in your suffering. I want to have such an intimate relationship with you that when I'm being crucified, I'm not screaming. When Christ was on the cross, dying the most excruciating death that anyone could ever hope to die for or die or ever plan on dying, in that moment, Christ did not scream, complain, and go, it's all your fault. He's there calmly on the cross in incredible pain, and out of his mouth come these words. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, not one of us would have said those words. We would have said, kill them all. <laughs> Show them who I am. I am the I am. I am. Arr. The pirate version of the Bible that too. But the reality is that every one of us will face some level of pain today, tomorrow, next week, some level. Some of you are bosses, employers, and you have people that you employ that are a pain. They're insubordinate, they're unkind, disrespectful, and as a boss, 
you can say, well, they're detrimental to the company, but then you look and you go, they're a harder worker than anybody I have. So what do I do? I fire them just because they're a pain? Or how can I address this pain in a redemptive way where, if possible, everybody wins? You see, our natural man sees everything through win-loss. Supernatural God sees everything through win-win. Now, it's not always possible because everybody has a free will and some people choose to not be a part of that winning component. But the pain of it is, is that while we're going through that pain, we typically are not looking for uh, the solution or the cause. We're looking for a way out of the pain instead of a way in to some level of success and trying to figure out a way to move forward instead of turning backwards and addressing it. Paul said, I press. He didn't say, I mess. Paul says, I'm pressing. He was always in pain. He's snake-bit. He's shipwrecked. He's beaten. We don't see Paul going on and on in the Bible. He addresses it and tells us about it, I believe, so that we can know how to address the pain in our lives and our future. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. To me, and I'm just summing up my theories, because I've, I've handled pain in good ways, I've handled pain in bad ways, and uh, I like the good ways better. And I like to be able to be filled enough with God's spirit that when pain comes, I can have an appropriate response to it. And when not, repentance is always available because God is a forgiving God. And we don't get to heaven because we do things perfectly. We get to heaven because we have faith in a perfect God. St. Augustine said, God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without pain and suffering. Oftentimes, when we're going through something difficult, we are convinced, absolutely convinced, that we are the only ones experiencing this pain. Nobody understands. Nobody gets it. When in reality, everyone in this room, if I were to just survey the room privately, write down... I promise you everyone in here could identify a pain. The question I would ask is what are you doing about that pain or with that pain? Are you using that pain to become better? Or are you using that pain to become a victim? Because most people when they get in pain really want somebody to really feel sorry for them more than they want out of the pain. As a matter of fact, some people like the pain so much because it brings attention to them. It's unhealthy. But it's all you know because you said, well, I've been in pain my whole life. You've been talking about it your whole life. And, and it's always going to be there as long as you're talking about it. And so rather than talking about it, do something about it. No pain, no palm. No thorns, no throne, no gall, no glory, no cross, no crown. No rain, no rainbow. Folks, I'm, I'm not here trying to create a theology of pain. I'm here to try to help us address the pain that we all experience. 
lost jobs, lost income, lost businesses, lost marriages, lost family, lost, lost, lost. I wish I never lost another thing in my life, but I'm going to. This year has been 2020 perfectly sucky. I know sucky is not a word, but it could be the word for 2020 now that I get added to the Webster's Dictionary created by Mark Crow, sucky. <laughs> it's been one of those years. In March, pandemic hits. In April, my mother dies. In May, June, we started with all the, the racial tension and difficulty, NBA, NFL, list goes on. Things I'm probably not supposed to talk about, but I'm going to. Because the reality is, good conversation and good communication, not hateful, not mean, can bring correction to the pain in the course we're experiencing. But we all have to realize that every one of us, regardless of our race, is a part of the problem and a part of the solution. And if we can all accept that, who knows what might happen in our world? The reality is, when we start feeling the boiling of anger and frustration, we've got to address it. Because a wrong response is going to create a pain. Number one. And I'll probably only get to number one. Regret unaddressed will keep pain alive in your life. Regret unaddressed. We have to remember who Paul was <laughs> before he was Paul. You don't think Paul had some regrets? Paul had all kinds of regrets for who he was prior to his experience with Christ on his way to Damascus. He had all kinds of things in his life. He was a part of the, the group that persecuted followers of the way. Now, if I'm Paul, if I'm David, the list goes on of all the people you can go back in the Bible and look at who discounted the power of God, threatened the power of God. I can't imagine what they had to go through. But when I look at the life of David, for instance, and Bathsheba having her husband killed, losing his son, in one moment, David's on his knees, hadn't bathed, hadn't eaten. And he had this epiphany when his son died. He can't come back to me, but I can go to him. Now, think just that, that one moment of extreme pain where David could have said, everybody knows I'm king, I'm, I'm all of that, and I could act like I'm not bothered. I could, I could continue to be a victim. I could continue to, to beg that you have pity on me and be pitiful, which is what often happens in our humanity is we want people to have pity on us. But David gets up, showers, eats, and he tells his team and his staff why. I'm sure that in that moment, in his soul, there was still great pain. But he said, there's also a great future ahead of me. 
and I'm not going to leave it out there. I'm going to address what happened. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. We must forget the past so that regret doesn't keep us from our future. We cannot change our past decisions and actions, but we must not either allow them residence in our soul. We have to call those things in us. We have to address them with reality. And that's not something that I think in Christianity we're real comfortable with. Uh, We don't like to talk about things that make us look bad. We don't like to talk about things that make us feel bad. And, And the reality is sometimes addressing those things is what brings freedom and liberty. What I've found is that none of us are probably as good as as we make other people think we are. Four or five of you thought that was good. My world changed six years ago to where I now realize that there was a persona, a way people perceived me, and there was a way I perceived me. And, And there's this separation in relationship because... You never allow people in deep enough for fear that they will reject you or neglect you or accuse you and abuse you. But the reality is there's freedom in knowing that you've addressed those issues in your life and shame no longer holds you down. That you can be free. Because the real pain is waking up every day asking yourself, who do I need to be today? Instead of waking up and going, Who am I today? See, I think I will always be a little bit redneck. Where I grew up, that's just what you were. Now, I'm a sanctified redneck. That means God has hold of me now, and in any redneckness, which is another new word, is now shrouded and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the old saying, you can take a kid out of Berry Hill, but you can't take Berry Hill out of the kid. And we were river rats. We grew up around the river. As we were on the west side, we were west siders. If, if we were the state of New York, we would have been the west side story. And you grow up not learning how to solve problems, but to hurt people who cause problems. Isn't that what we do? You're hurting me, so I'm going to hurt you back. Pain upon top, on top of pain, on top of pain, on top of pain. Pain will continue to persist in our lives as long as we act upon our human nature. And the greatest relief of pain is when we act upon our supernatural nature. Loving when we're unloved. Forgiving when nobody forgives. Caring when nobody cares. Being kind when people are mean. A lot of the pain that we have in our lives, if not most of it, is created by the choices that we make, not the choices that other people make. Now, I'm preaching better than I'm living, just to tell you right now. I'm sitting listening to myself going, yeah, yeah. Go away and do that. Shut up and be done with it. We're a work in progress. 
we go from salvation to sanctification. Salvation is instant. Sanctification is a lifetime experience. If we know how to address the pains in life, we can live an abundant life. I've never pastored through a pandemic. You've heard me say this now for months. I don't have the first clue what I'm doing. But I know that God does. I had dinner last night with a couple friends of mine that have been friends for over 20 years. He's like a brother to me. And what I've learned, and I would ask all of you to go home this week and ask yourself the question, what have I learned over the last five or six months during the pandemic? What have I learned? What I've learned is, in my, my position, is God is more God to me now than he was in February. Because I'm helpless. There's not a book that's been written yet. And there will be some idiot. I mean, some person <laughs> will become the authority on living through a pandemic. I believe the only authority in the pandemic is within each and every one of us individually, not collectively. What have we learned? I've learned that you can cut a church in half in a day because you've got both the vulnerable and the fearful, and I'm not judging either, that feel the need to stay away from other people, which is exactly what the devil wants. Let me tell you, the greatest play the devil's had yet is to separate the body of Christ from being together physically. We are created social beings. The Bible says lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. It doesn't say just talk to them, though you can do that. There's something about touch that changes everything. And so what, what I've come to realize during the pandemic is I'm not in charge. I can't make people come back. Matter of fact, I'm very careful about how I speak as to not offend anyone. At the same time, I think sometimes I need to do my best to attempt to see if I can offend someone. Because the Bible tells us to provoke one another. Where there is no provocation, there will be no education. Think about your math class, algebra, calculus. Then all of a sudden, I mean, come on, let's face it. An English teacher married a math teacher and algebra was created. I've never seen a case yet where X plus Y equals 4. That's messed up. It's literally demonic. It's a pain. So, in the midst of all that we're struggling with in this pandemic, we have to ask the question, what have I learned? Has it drawn you closer to God? Has it created greater fear in your life? Greater concern? Distrust? Where was God? Where is God? Instability? Or is it creating for you a strength out of the pain that we're all experiencing? Is it creating a strength that you wouldn't have had without it? God did not cause it, but every bit of pain that we experience, if we give it to God, 
he will use it. So, don't live your life not addressing the regret, regrets of your life. Napoleon said the only conquests which are permanent and leave no regrets are our conquests of ourselves. I have to conquer Mark Crow, and there's still way too much of Mark Crow left. There needs to be more of God and less of me. And you never stop growing. You never get to a certain age where God gives you a free pass to be a jack. And I won't rhyme. Some of you won't get that until about noon tomorrow. I used to think the older you get, you know, people say, well, I'm old now. I can say what I want. Yeah, and you too are an idiot. Just because of age, age does not give us the permission to be stupid. It should encourage us to be smarter and not repeat past mistakes. I shouldn't say things I want to say all the time. But every now and then. We can't change other people's treatments of us and how we might have responded to them. We can't change those things. We have to embrace and go, you know what, I can't fix what I did. You can't unscramble eggs, it's done. I regret some of the things I've done. Greatly regret some of the things I've done. But if I lived with those regrets or in the midst of those regrets, I wouldn't be sitting here today. I wouldn't be fulfilling the call of God on my life. And quite frankly, when I get to heaven, I'm not answering to you or anybody else. I'm going to stand before Jesus. Now, some of you want to be there because you're really excited about what he might say to Mark Crow. I know that. I know some people say, please, just, just let me get on the bus that Mark Crow's on that, that's going to glory. And let him be the first seat on the bus. And when he gets off, we all want to get off quick. Because we want to hear. Let me tell you what God's going to say to me. There's my son. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. Now, this is giving all of my haters an opportunity to address their own pain. I've learned to love God more. I've learned that God loves me more than I ever dreamed he could, even possible. I've learned that nothing ever surprises God. I've learned that God is more than able to take care of the most horrible situations in our lives, the greatest pains that we'll ever experience. We must address our painful truths, sorrows, and offer them to Jesus and leave the past behind. Paul said, I press, so it will take a press to get away from our mess. Face your pain. Face the regrets. And like Paul, turn and press toward a mark. Find a goal. Find something. You are my something. This church is my something. Preaching God's word is my something. I don't know what I would do if I did not have this opportunity. I love this with everything in me. Now, I got to tell you, sometimes you're difficult. None of you in here, but there'll be some people at 11. And um, 
It's the hardest job I've ever done, and I've done some hard jobs. You just climb telephone poles on little bitty hooks. Try looking down when you're standing on two hooks 45 feet up in the air. And if you're not a believer by that point, you probably never will be. That was a hard job. Saturday morning on Prue Road, out in the country in Sand Springs. I was the only guy on board that day. I was the man in charge that day. Climbing up a pole. Got almost to the top. And been climbing a lot of poles, so you get a little bit lax, too fast. Hit a ground wire. How many of you know that hooks don't go into ground wires, they go into wood. It was a pretty long drop. It was hard. Never as hard as dealing with people in crisis. People who are angry. People who are mad. If you're watching and you have a church, love your pastor, please. Because he's just doing his best. That's all any of us are doing. It's our best. If we could just give people the benefit of the doubt. See, we measure our lives by our intentions. We measure everybody else's lives by their actions. And our actions are just as bad as the people that we've measured their lives. Give everybody grace. Give everybody opportunity. There are people who are a pain. And what I have learned is some of the people in my life that are a pain were sent by God. He loves me that much. He believes I can grow. He believes I can become better. Some of you are God sent. Some of you watching online right now, you know you're God sent. You're not even here. Come someday. Cause me pain in house. What a joy it is to grow in God. What a joy it is to be able to look at pain, adversity, opposition, neglect, rejection, and other things with a smile on your face, not saying that you succumb to those things or live with those things, but that you know how to address those things. We've heard it a million times. That person's a pain in my booty. If you have kids, if you have five, they're five pains. But they're also blessings. I've learned more from my kids probably than I've learned from anybody else. They taught me things I didn't want to learn. Created a lot of painful nights and days, as I'm sure I did for my parents. But I learned. And let me tell you why I was able to learn. Because my love for them was greater than the pain I felt from them. You want to know how to overcome pain? Increase your love, and the pain will be lessened by the love. I am absolutely convinced that's what Jesus did on the cross. His love far exceeded the pain that he felt being nailed to a tree. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your only son. I'm sure it was very, very painful watching him be brutally crucified in his innocence, done nothing wrong. What a pain. But as a result of Jesus, your son, experiencing that pain we now have salvation so Lord help us realize that sometimes the pain that we're experiencing may give us the opportunity to reflect a love 
to others that will cause them to see you. So rather than reacting negatively to pain, let us respond appropriately and redemptively to those who may be causing pain. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we never want to close a service without giving opportunity for people to receive Jesus. And I know I've been a pain in a lot of people's lives. I'm old enough to say that. I don't live with that regret anymore because I've addressed it. I live free. It doesn't mean I don't face it every day, but the love of God is ever present to overshadow the pain that's ever there. So today, I want us all to pray this prayer with people who are suffering greatly for sin. They, they dwell on every day the wrongs that you've done. You beat yourself up every day. You can't believe you did it. You're human. And every human being is filled with great error, flaws, and mistakes. Some manifest, some don't. But if we're even thinking it, the Bible says we're doing it. So the reality is the pain that we're experiencing, if it's addressed and the name of Jesus is exalted above the name of the pain, we can get on the other side of it. It doesn't have to remain. I want all of you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to suffer and die for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I declare today I am forgiven because of what you've done and my faith in what you've done. So Lord, today, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Those of you who prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do me a favor, and I want to ask you to text the word SAVED. If you gave your life to Jesus, rededicated your life to Him, text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Put your name in there, too. We'll continue to pray for you, pray with you. Uh, the journey has begun. Uh, I'd love to say that it's not going to be painful, but when I got born again, I had a lot of things I had to face and address and I continue to walk through them. And I want you to walk through them. I want you to get on the other side of them. And I want you to continue every day, one day at a time, to get to that place where you say, I'm free. Uh, we love you. We're so proud of you. And we're thankful for you. Please text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.